Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, everybody. Welcome into another episode of the Can We Please Talk podcast. As always, I am Mike Leon, but I'm not flying solo today. Nick Savary is on vacation. Joining me is the veteran journalist, award-winning journalist, former MSNBC, CNN, Fox News host. He's the host of the Rick Sanchez podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts. My buddy, Rick Sanchez. Rick, good to see you. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> oh, how was that intro? You wrote most of it. How was that? <laughs> It was great, Mike. Always good to see you as well, my friend. Uh, on the program today, Rick, we're going to get into a lot of stuff happening today because the Georgia runoff is coming up this week. The last remaining seat that's up for grabs this election season. We're going to react to Herschel Walker and Raphael Warnock's final message to Georgia voters, how this is going to affect the, the upcoming Senate. Plus, later on the program, speaking of the chambers of Congress, we're going to look at some of the new look leadership for 2023, the House Democrats electing Hakeem Jeffries. Meanwhile, Republicans a little iffy on the Kevin McCarthy part uh, to quote the band Lifehouse. They're kind of hanging by a moment here. And then later on in the program, uh, Fox News contributor, former State Department spokesperson Marie Harf is going to be joining me. We're going to break down some other stuff happening with the former president. Speaking of the GOP, uh, Rick, first I say hello to you. Normally I would say hello to Nick uh, and Nick's on vacation. We, he's out there in Orlando, so he's not that far from us, you and I, where we're recording how are you doing? How's t- tell me everything of what you're doing over on the Rick Sanchez podcast for the people that don't listen to you, don't know you. Uh, I can't imagine they don't. You've been in television for close to 30 years. Tell the folks a little bit about yourself. There's a lot of people out there who are now uh, no longer in their 80s, so they don't know who I am. So, yeah, you know, um, uh, I grew up in Cuba, refugee, grew up super poor in a barrio. My parents never made more than $10,000 combined income. I ended up being a journalist. I Actually, I got a I got a football scholarship to go to Minnesota. While there, CBS News said, you know, you want to try this uh, journalism thing and we're going to give you a scholarship if you apply and if you you know do it. So I did. And I ended up becoming a uh, television journalist. I was the first Latino journalist in the United States with his own primetime show. That's right. CNN, worked at Fox, worked at uh, RT, worked at uh, Univision. I mean, I've worked in different countries and different languages. I've done, I've interviewed Presidents uh, Reagan and Carter and uh, Clinton and uh, Obama and uh, Gorbachev and uh, Castro and Noriega, and I've won uh, uh, like three Peabody's and five Emmys. 
covering news. Um, Just a small amount of awards there that I've seen over at the uh, at the trophy case there at the house. At the, at the Sanchez Ranch. The ranch. Yeah. Exactly. Well, I, I can't think of anyone more qual- overqualified to replace ah. Nick Saveri while he's on vacation as we analyze uh, some yeah. of the topics making headlines. Let's get into our first segment, Rick, because cool, it's going to feed in perfectly because you and I, once upon a time, we talked about uh, before the election happened, some of these candidates, specifically the MAGA candidates, the right wing Republican candidates that were going up against more moderate leaning Democrats. Well, in Georgia, we have a perfect example right now because this Georgia runoff that's happening this week, if you're listening to us on a Tuesday morning, the, the runoff is about to happen this week. Early voting has already happened in Georgia and it's underway. Go out to the ballot. You know how important Nick and I stress going out there to vote, you can go to vote.org to find out more about your precinct and where you can actually vote. But uh, in terms of the Georgia runoff, the candidates were giving their final messages to voters over the past couple of weeks. Uh, and I want to play some sound for you here, Rick, and when it gets some reaction on the other side. Herschel Walker was recently with Maria Bartomo, a friend of you and I's on Fox Business. She was asking him about what are some of the issues that are important to him. And then Raphael Warnock was on Pod Save America over at Crooked Media giving his final message to Democratic voters. Take a listen to this. Well, you know, one of the places I stand is we got to be energy independent again. They've waged war on domestic energy. And I think that is a a national security problem because right now we can do things right underneath our feet, but they've tried to pretend like this is a new normal, that there's other people that can do it better. No, they can't. You know, they're going to dictators. They're going to people that are our enemies, people that chant death to America. They ask for energy. And they, they don't know the definition of enemy. They don't know the definition of a dictator. It can be done right here. You know, I'm not just a candidate. I'm not just a senator. I'm also a citizen. And I have to say, I can't have Herschel Walker representing my mother. It matters. And I think integrity matters. I think truth-telling matters. I think character matters. And here's a man who can't even tell us the truth about the basic facts of his life. Claimed to have been a police officer, he's not. Claimed to work for the FBI, he did not. Claimed to be valedictorian of his class, he was not. Claimed to have graduated from the University of Georgia, did not. Claimed to have started a not-for-profit that helps veterans. As it turns out, he didn't start it. It's not a not-for-profit. And rather than helping veterans, it literally exploited veterans, and they had to be called to task for that. Is that somebody you want to trust? Rick, a lot, a lot to digest there. Uh, before I get your takes on on both of candidates uh, t- saying stuff there to the different media outlets, respectively, I saw a CNN poll recently, an exit poll about 52 percent of Herschel Walker voters. Uh, 52 percent said their vote was mainly to support Herschel Walker. These are of the people that were surveyed. So that means about 48 percent of folks surveyed said that the only reason they were voting for Herschel Walker was to oppose Raphael Warnock. Right. Uh, Walker supporters, uh, Warnock supporters broadly were casting their votes at an 83-17% clip. Um, what do you make of the way um, some of these candidates, you just heard Herschel Walker and Raphael Warnock, I was watching you as we were both listening to that, but what do you make of character, integrity, and what it really means in this election cycle? Warnock mentioned it there. Um, when I hear Herschel Walker talk and I hear Raphael Warnock talk about the different issues, I don't I didn't think that this would be as close as it should be. You and yeah. I, I can't think we're on the same page about that, but I would love to get your takeaways on it. Well, it's actually not close. Uh, it's it's not even close to close. 
But then again, I'm, I'm making that analogy based on American politics, where 52 to 48 is uh, a landslide. Uh, it's a weird world and a weird country that we're living in right now. Uh, it, it's really looking like uh, Herschel Walker is going to get his clock cleaned. Uh, I, I lived in Georgia. I have a lot of friends in Georgia. I got people who are voting in Georgia and they're reporting back to me. And what they're telling me is it's total Democrats at the polls. The sense of energized uh, voters in most of the polls, in most of the places, all of the numbers, forget the polls. I mean, the polls, you know, that they do to try and determine who's going to vote for who. Forget that. Just look at who's voting and where and how big are their numbers. In all the Democratic precincts, they're breaking every record that's been set for the last 20 years. And in the Republican precincts, hmm, you know, it's kind of like a big yawn. Fact of the matter is, I just saw a poll that said that Republicans um, are embarrassed generally speaking, to vote for Herschel Walker, while Democrats are enthusiastically voting for Warnock. So it, it just doesn't look good. I mean, and you 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 mentioned issues. Forget issues. This thing is not about issues. Um, the only thing this re that really matters in this race at this point, um, and, and even Republicans, I mean, most of the Republicans who have been interviewed, Republican leaders even, are saying that they're they're having a tough time with this Herschel Walker candidacy. And when you hear McConnell and when you hear others in the Senate say, we've got to in the future be more careful about allowing who chooses our candidates, they're talking about Herschel Walker. Yeah, I was just going to ask you because um, I was looking at the AP uh, in terms of, you know, because the House is still, according to the AP, not decided yet. There's still one seat up for grabs. But yeah. if you just look at the notable races and the the percentage points that folks have won by you, you alluded to 52, 48 being a slant, a landslide. Mm -hmm. This is just me just reading the top mm -hmm. 10 house races, right? Arizona, California, Colorado, Connecticut, Illinois. And all of these folks won by 50 50.4%, 50.2%, 51.5%, 50.4%, 48.4%. Do you think that that says that the voters out there have looked at these candidates and said, I'm, I'm picking the lesser of evils. I don't want either of you guys. I just, I want somebody that's kind of listening to our issues because the candidate integrity part, you yeah. mentioned it and McConnell spoke about it. We can't have folks like Herschel Walker. Unfortunately, we put him up, but we need better candidate integrity. And then I look at the numbers and it's like, well, why is everything so close then? Yeah, well, because both parties basically hold their nose even when they have a bad candidate and still vote for their party. And that's the kind of country we live in right now. You and I talk about this all the time. We live in a siloed society where people live in their silos. This is the first time I've seen a candidate come across who was actually so bad, such a bad candidate, God bless his heart, that he's actually broken the silo effect. Um, what we saw in the uh, midterms was that Republicans wholeheartedly went out and voted for Kemp, their governor. They loved the guy. They voted for him in spirit. They voted for him in person. They did everything possible to make sure they're going to support him because they're Republicans and they like him. The same people who voted for Kemp, a large measure of them, and I don't have the number in my head, but I did, but I'm getting old and I forget. A large number of those people who voted for Kemp decided not to vote for Herschel Walker. That doesn't mean they voted for Warnock. They just didn't vote. They just said, I'm going to skip that race. Um, 
you know, is is it possible that Herschel Walker has really, really put them off? Oh, of course it is. I mean, you know, the, the Georgia is a very religious state. Uh, it's a it's a part of the Bible Belt, and the fact that he had a lot of children out of wedlock uh, that are in pretty legitimate reports that there are lots of reports out there that he paid for abortions. I mean, th these things, they, these things don't sit well with Georgians. Um, and yeah, most of them will say he's one of the greatest football players who ever played for the Georgia Bulldogs. And he really was, but he doesn't, he hasn't um, served himself well as a candidate, unfortunately. It's very interesting to me because um, I don't know. I just, we had Jeff Perlman on the program you know, the New York Times bestselling author. Jeff has written a fantastic book about the USFL. He's done another book about the Dallas Cowboys. And in both of those books, Herschel Walker was a part of both of those books. And we asked him straight up, like, what do you think about Herschel Walker? And he's like, I don't think people understand how Herschel Walker has always been routine based and he listens to other people. He doesn't really have his own opinions. He, his personality is kind of formed from like what people tell him to do. He's always been run the football against Georgia Tech. Like yeah, it's right. never been. And that was Jeff's quote. It made us laugh on the show. And we're sitting here going, then why is it so close? I want to get back to you uh, for a second, because I looked at the numbers. The third party libertarian candidate in, in November got 81,000 votes. And this is why we're going to the runoff because neither person reached the 50% threshold. I think it gets back to what you and I were talking about of these folks went out there, they went down the ballot and they really itemized. I'm voting yeah. for Kemp. Right. I'm voting for this, but I am not voting for that. Correct. And I feel like a vote for what do you make of people voting for a third party candidate and knowing that that has no chance and no bearing and no impact on the United States Senate, but basically saying, I'm going to do everything down the ballot, looking at issues, candidates, boom, check, check, check. And here's a waste of a vote for, uh, I forget the guy's name, the libertarian well, candidate I'll, down there. I'll, 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 I'll tell you how I feel about that, Mike. Yeah. Uh, I, I wish to hell that we lived in a country where we had more than two parties. Yep. I, 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 I hope someday before I die, I will look at a ballot and I will see four, five, six, seven different parties being represented because that means that uh, there are fewer chances for the establishment, for the elites, for the money and uh, uh, part of our com uh, country to, to control uh, uh, the two parties that are there now because they do control them. So if we finally one day get to a, 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 a point where we can expand the base of candidates, it'll make it harder for corporations to buy the two candidates that are there. There's a reason we have two candidates, because that makes it easy for, unfortunately, God, I hate to say this, you, I love my country as much as you do, but the idea that today there is a legal form of bribery when it comes to politics, and don't you think for one minute that the big corporations don't know that, uh, and unfortunately, that's why we end up with guys like you and I who go and sit in the ballot box. And sometimes we're in a con quandary thinking, do I vote for this guy or that guy or this gal and this or this gal? And is there really a difference? Um, many times I don't know. In the case of Herschel Walker and Warnock, there's obviously a pretty clear difference. One of them, you know, is somewhat competent as a human being and has, you know, the ability to reason and uh, the other one kind of doesn't. And that's even obvious to a lot of Republicans. And that's what we're seeing in this case. And, and good for those Republicans for, 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 for even recognizing that, because there are Democrats who don't recognize the flaws of some of their own candidates as well. I would agree a lot with that. Let's get into the overall Democrats 
and Republicans uh, part of this, because I was mentioning to you, we were talking about what we we're going to talk about in this first segment. And now mm-hmm. after this Georgia runoff, this is the last seat open here in the Senate. Uh, I don't think there's any recounts so far going on. I know there was a couple that was supposed to be scheduled and got canceled in Colorado. Um, but now the House is going to be probably 221 or 222. Uh, to 213, 214, depending upon that final race that I was mentioning before. Uh, And now the Senate will either be 50-50 with Democrats having Kamala Harris as the vote there or 51-49. So the new look Congress in 2023, it's got a lot of legislation that they're going to be acting upon. And already I've been seeing the House has elected Hakeem Jeffries to replace Nancy Pelosi as the minority leader. And Republicans are kind of stuck right now because they don't know if they want Kevin McCarthy. There's a faction of the party that wants him mm-hmm. to go in, in polar directions. I want to play some sound from Hakeem Jeffries and Kevin McCarthy for you and get your reaction on the other side, because both of these guys are kind of saying the right things. And within there, Kevin McCarthy says something that I thought was pretty interesting. Take a listen to this. We look forward to finding opportunities to partner with the other side of the aisle and work with them whenever possible but we will also push back against extremism whenever necessary. We are the only stopgap for this Biden administration. And if we don't do this right, the Democrats can take the majority. If we play games on the floor, the Democrats can end up picking who the speaker is. We need to do this for the American people. We either are successful together or we will fail individually and we will not be given the possibility or the opportunity to be in the majority again. Rick, yeah. I, I knew you I knew that would get a rise out of so when he's when I heard him say that on Fox News, I was very interested in that. But one thing I wanted to touch on there, um, we just talked about it, how low the percentages were for some of these races. It almost is like the the country is saying you guys need to work together because this guy makes this guy or gal makes sense for this role. This guy or gal makes sense for that role. And it doesn't matter about R&D. Both of them talked about bipartisanship. Where do we see it? Like, what do you see as the future now if both of these guys are, are the House uh, Speaker, Kevin McCarthy and Hakeem Jeffries? How are we going to work together? Because you mentioned about how siloed we are, yet the voters are saying something different. Hey, figure this out. You guys and gals need to work together. Well, we, but but in this case, we're talking about three silos, though, Mike, right? We're talking about Hakeem Jeffries, who pretty much is going to represent the Democratic silo. And then you got the Republican side, which is separated into two silos, which is the Trump silo and the non-Trump silo. And it's really hard to draw that line between those latter, that last two. I mean, it just, it really is. Uh, I, I would hate like hell to be Kevin McCarthy. I would hate like hell to be Kevin McCarthy. I mean, what that, what do you do? I mean, you know, he he has to be beholden to to Trump and to the crazies. Uh, in the party. He knows they're crazy, but he's not allowed to say they're crazy. Um, the, those folks are, are are powerful. And with the big, bad, badass Donald Trump, uh, they know that at any moment they could set him off and then he's going to go after whoever. And that's how he's able to form coalitions. He, he can. He's so strong that in some districts, in most Republican districts, he can have you primaried. He can have you humiliated. He's, I mean, look, Donald Trump is a guy who, when he was running Trump, he would call his managers in, guys, and he would not tell them. You know this story, right? He would not tell them that their wives were on the phone. He would tell their wives to sit on the phone 
and he would mute them, but they were listening. And then he would bring them in and he would ask them about their girlfriends, about their sexual uh, encounters, and get them to say everything they possibly could, knowing that their wife was listening to them so that he could hold it over him. He has absolutely no shame, and he is very targeted when it comes to his opposition. We know that, right? Little Marco, uh, Low Energy Jeb, Lying Ted. I mean, we can go down the list. So everybody in the Republican Party, including McCarthy, knows that if they step out of line, Trump could destroy them. And if they can't destroy them, they can destroy their coalition. So what do you do? I mean, what the hell do you do if you're Kevin McCarthy to fight your way through that and try and build a Republican coalition? I mean, I mean, I'm 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 just left thinking, good luck. Well, let me ask you, uh, putting your journalist hat on, uh, because I've seen a couple of congressional reporters. We've had a few on the show, but I saw Manu Raju asking similar questions. How, how would you approach asking Kevin McCarthy that question and then also interviewing and pushing back on MAGA candidates? You and I talked about this once upon a time with Carrie Lake. If you were to have the opportunity to interview her, what you would say in presenting fact and reason. Well, here... Now these people are already elected, yeah. right? And here's Kevin McCarthy has to go up there and speak, knowing that he's got 30 to 40 loonies, crazies in his party that are clamoring for X, Y, Z. Like, how do you interview both? And how do you get the answers that the American people need with keeping them, you know, within the factual lines? You know what I would ask Kevin McCarthy if I was a journalist? Uh, heaven forbid I went back into my field that way. But um if I was a journalist working on the Hill and I had an opportunity to ask Kim or McConnell or any other Republican uh, leaders, I would say, why is it that Donald Trump still holds the mantle? Why isn't there anyone in this party who is strong enough, has the leadership skills to rip that away from them and get the American people to trust and follow them instead. Is it that he is that strong or is it that you guys are that weak? And if it's the latter, what should the Republican party do to find that woman or that man who would finally be able to stand up and say, this is the course we have to go on? I mean, it, it's it's it, it's mind-boggling to think that everybody knows they're following a stooge, and nobody can somehow stand up and beat the stooge. So, what does that say about you? What does right. that say about the party? I just, I, I just can't help but wonder. Um, well, let me ask you: twenty twenty four, the Republican candidate for president of the United States is Donald Trump. It's Donald Trump. Yeah, I mean, there, of course, DeSantis is in the game, but I mean, let me well, let me get your opinion. Can I get your opinion on DeSantis? We're both Florida residents. Sure. Uh, you, you've covered governors in this state. You've been a longtime journalist in this state for WSVN here, Channel Seven. Um, what do you make of DeSantis overall? Some of his policies, how he can actually speak to a broader base nationally. I think he's going to be great. I think he's a strong candidate. I think he's got uh, real skills. I think he's played that woke mind game so well. Um, I think you remember who votes in America, right? It, it's not teens and 20s, right? The people who vote in America are in their 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, right? 
So you go to that group of people, that specific demographic, and all you got to do is come up to them and say, can you imagine a boy in your high school becoming a girl just so he could be on the volleyball team and then take your daughter's position on that volleyball team or granddaughter's position on that volleyball team? That's it. End of conversation. He's going to vote for you. Can you imagine your your four-year-old in kindergarten or in first grade, even though this may not really even be happening, but it doesn't matter. It makes for a great argument. Can you imagine them being told that the, they should really consider a, a lifestyle as a different sex than what they are and that they're not really a boy? I mean, this is how this guy's going to win. He He's literally going to rip the heart of America take everybody who possibly is in the middle and make them anti-woke. And that's what he's done to become one of the most popular governors in the history of Florida. He's smart about the way he does that. And he stays in that area. He doesn't go where Trump goes. He's not a race. He doesn't become racist or anti-Semite or, or anti-women or anti-Muslim. He doesn't necessarily go there the way Trump does. He stays in that very safe space that he thinks will get him elected. I think it will too. Rick, I can't thank you enough for holding down this first segment while, while my partner's at Disney World right now, probably riding some roller coaster. I don't know what he's doing, but <laughs> when he gets back, he's going to get a stern talking to. You can check out the Rick Sanchez podcast wherever you get your podcast. Longtime MSNBC, CNN, Fox News host and my buddy. Rick, thank you so much for, for coming on the podcast. That was a blast. I, I you know, good, open, uh, try semi-intellectual discussions are one of my favorite things to do. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. When we come back after the break, uh, Fox News contributor Marie Harf, my buddy, she's going to be joining me in the second segment. We're going to talk about here's somebody who ran a campaign. We're going to talk about bipartisanship and we're going to get into the former president when we come back after the break. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This episode is brought to you by KitCaster. KitCaster books you on top podcasts. How do funded startup founders attract prospects and talent? Podcast interviews. How do entrepreneurs with exits find new deals? Podcast interviews. How do C-suite execs differentiate in crowded markets? Podcast interviews. KitCaster books you on top podcasts. Click the link in the show notes for a special offer. Celebrate good conversation. The presenting sponsor of Can We Please Talk is Fresh Roasted Coffee. Since 2009, their passion has been bringing you gourmet coffees from all over the world. You know how much Nick and I drink coffee. We love it here. I'm a K-Cup guy. Nick's that French press guy over there. Uh, right, Nick? You're a French press guy. I am. But I've also used a, a, a Chemex. I've also used right. a percolator like most people do. Yeah, But regardless of your type of grind, Fresh Roasted Coffee's got you covered. In addition to single origin blends, Mike's a Colombia person. I'm a Sumatra drinker. They've also got a variety of flavors. You also get sampler packs too. I'm all about the sampler packs. But most importantly, let's say coffee's not your thing. If you're a tea person, mm -hmm. they got you covered too, That's Mike. Right. They cover all their bases. So go there and learn about your your learn about your coffee style. You go there to 
a three, four question quiz. You'll find out what coffee is recommended for you. So you're learning something in addition to buying something. But as a listener, there's an additional benefit for buying from Fresh Roast Coffee. Look at this man. This man sets up the softball. I hit it out of the park. It is true. Um, if you take that questionnaire that's on their site, it's awesome. And it gets you right into the flavor profile that, that matches you best with the coffee that you should be buying. But you want to enter a promo code at checkout. Put all that stuff into the cart there. Enter in the promo to- promo code. Excuse me. Can we get 20? Can we get 20? This offer is valid for new fresh roasted coffee and positively tea customers. You're going to get 20% discount on any and all coffee and tea unless otherwise specified. Code is not valid for branded merchandise or coffee gear. One use per customer. Head to freshroastedcoffee.com today. All right, I go from an award-winning journalist now to a former government official, a Fox News contributor. She is my buddy, Marie Harf. Marie, welcome to the program. Thank you for filling in for Nick. I am so happy to be here. The last time we did this together, we were in person in That's Washington. Right. And I, I really hope we start off by talking about the biggest news in the country this week, which is that my Ohio State Buckeyes are going to the college football playoffs. That's so right. Sn- snuck right in there and, you know... There's a lot going on in the political world that's not great. I am focused on college football for some happiness in this holiday season. <laughs> well, listen, I, I mean, if you guys listen to my other show on theanalyst.com, I had been high on USC all year. But of I know. course, they couldn't avenge that loss to Utah. The Buckeyes happened to move up. Good for TCU, by the way, staying in there. That was a really good game. And I'm glad that Alabama didn't get in. I think the nation is glad that Alabama didn't get in. Yeah. Everyone is glad that Alabama, like no one is sad except for Alabama fans today. Exactly. <laughs> and mainly it's because, hey, Alabama, look inward. Uh, it's it's the guy leading the program. Uh, <laughs> exactly. but, but anyway, um, let's talk about a, a state next to Alabama, Georgia. Oh, what a segue, Mike. That is really With good. With a college football player in the, you know, there's that's, lots of segues here. <laughs> that's right. You just heard uh, Rick and I in the previous segment, we were talking about the Georgia runoff and everything that's happening there. Um, we have a reporter coming on later on this week that will be filling in for Nick that we're going to you know, kind of summarize everything that happened in Georgia once the results are out. But real quick, high level for you, candidate integrity. We played some sound bites in the first segment of both guys kind of giving their sign off messages to Georgia voters. What are you expecting to happen Tuesday? And, and can you talk about how important it is? There's been a lot of Democrats messaging that, oh, we don't even need Georgia. We don't even need you, you do need Georgia. It's incredibly important to get this seat in the Senate for both parties. And can you explain why, Marie? Yeah, I mean, I think it's right. It's much better to have 51 than 50 for a whole bunch of reasons, some arcane Senate rules. And look, if one senator gets sick, it's nice to have another one that they can vote. But, you know, I think what's interesting in this runoff is that all of the external factors have gone away, right? It's not control of the Senate. Brian Kemp isn't on the ballot. Donald Trump isn't on the ballot. There's not a governor's race. There's not, you know, nothing is hanging in the balance except for these two men running against each other, right? And so I actually think in this case, because none of those external factors are still really at play in the same way that they have been in other runoffs, it's just these two men. It comes down to whether you think they are competent to lead, whether you think they should represent Georgia in the Senate. And by any, I think, uh, metric, Herschel Walker is hurt by that. He is hurt by the fact that Brian Kemp he may be campaigning for him, but he's not on the ballot. 
uh, Donald Trump isn't there to help, you know, to try and to lift him on his coattails, although obviously that didn't happen last time. And Republicans can't say to their voters, this is control of the Senate. And so under those circumstances, all of Herschel Walker's flaws are just front and center. And Raphael Warnock is running a really good campaign. I think that he will win on Tuesday. Uh, I think that we will get 51 Democratic senators and and Republicans have a lot of soul searching here, my friend. Candidate quality matters. Name ID is not enough. And that is it bit them in Pennsylvania. It bit them in Arizona. It bit them a lot of places and it's going to bite them here. Yeah, I agree. And the numbers bear out on that. I wanted to get uh, your takeaways on something that we had talked about in the first segment. And I want to play another soundbite for you because uh, I was mentioning about the new look house with Hakeem Jeffries now uh, taking over for Nancy Pelosi and then Kevin McCarthy kind of still struggling internally, but he would probably be speaker of the house. I can't imagine somebody else rising up uh, to be that, but we'll see uh, how that plays out. But um, they talked a lot about bipartisanship both of them recently speaking about, uh, well, at least Hakeem Jeffries in his first intro conference was talking about working with the other side of the aisle. Maybe he said that because he's in the minority position. Maybe he did. We had recently uh, somebody you worked for once upon a time, Representative Seth Bolton from Massachusetts. <laughs> I had asked him a question about what bipartisanship looks like, because when he ran years ago against uh, an incumbent candidate up there in, Penn, uh, in Massachusetts, um, that candidate didn't really reach across the other side of the aisle. But I asked him, how do you deal with that with respect to now what we're seeing with this faction of the Republican Party, the MAGA part of the, the wing of it, right? The, uh, the Freedom Caucus, as they like to call themselves. How do you work with people like that? I want to uh, get your response and takeaways after you take a listen to this. When I, when I first ran and I, I was on this you know, platform of, of, of doing more uh, bipartisanship work, bipartisan work, I was asked by people, well, Seth, how do you work with someone like Ted Cruz, how on earth are you going to work with a Republican like that? And my answer is very simple. You don't. I've never worked with Ted Cruz on anything, and I probably never will. He's useless when it comes to actually working in a bipartisan way to getting things done. But there are still enough Republicans left. Yes, they're dwindling, but there are still enough Republicans left that you can find who actually do want to get things done. And... There are people like Chris Stewart from Utah. Now, he's way more conservative uh, than I or any of my constituents or most of my constituents in Massachusetts would ever dream of being. But we found common ground on mental health, largely because of our experience as veterans. And we got a landmark piece of legislation passed because we were willing to quietly work behind the scenes to get it done. So, Marie, bipartisanship, both, you know, like I mentioned, Seth just mentioned it there. Democrats are in the minority. But the Kevin McCarthy sound that we played before, he said, if we don't if we mess around here, we could lose the majority on certain bills. Democrats could reach across the aisle, grab a couple of Republicans and pass some meaningful legislation through the House. What do you make of bipartisanship overall? What should it look like and what your former boss said there? Well, I mean, first, that's why I wanted to work for him, right, because he's not you know, naive about bipartisanship. It's not, oh, well, we just need to find common ground with Ted Cruz. Well, there are some people you can't find common ground with, right? Um, but that there are some people you can. And that's exactly why I wanted to work for him uh, and why I'm glad that people like Hakeem Jeffries are talking about bipartisanship. Because I think that under Joe Biden's presidency, 
and the Democratic-controlled House and Senate. We have seen bipartisanship on some issues. Not everyone, and we're still horribly divided, and I think the Republican Party is an extreme party that's not interested in governing all that much. But on some things, we've gotten some Republican votes. Kevin McCarthy, first, can you imagine getting a job like Speaker just because they can't find someone else? Like, he's like the, it's like the, you know, the... There's no more prom dates left. It's like, let's ask Kevin McCarthy to go. I mean, what, you know, if, first of all, I'm not sure he's going to get the votes, but even if he does, they don't want him as speaker. He is not Nancy Pelosi. Nancy Pelosi held the caucus together when there was an incredibly slim majority. And I do not think Kevin McCarthy can do that. So to your point, I think if the Democratic caucus stays together, get some of these, you know, some moderate Republicans actually held on in the midterms, they can pass some meaningful legislation. and. I firm, I so firmly believe that if the Republican Party in the House, if they have control of one branch of government, the House, if they think that the two years before this presidential election, a winning message is investigating Hunter Biden and doing all these other investigations and not actually governing, that the Republican Party will lose again in 2024. I think one of the lessons of these midterms was people actually like people who are willing to govern and be bipartisan. And they see Biden as doing that. They see the Democrats in Congress as having done that on certain bills. And they punished Republicans who were not seen as actually trying to get anything done or interested in governing. And I think if Republicans, if, if their closing message for the 2024 elections is Hunter Biden, I mean, the first press conference Kevin McCarthy gave after they took the House was all about investigating Hunter Biden. If they think that's what American voters want, have at it. Look, you know. Yeah, I mean, I have I have no follow up. I mean, two, because literally six weeks ago I was on television and I said, (laughs) Hunter Biden is currently under investigation by law enforcement agencies. Let those processes play out. He's a private citizen. There's no need to inject uh, congressional matters into that. Um, candidate integrity, we've talked about this. Mitch McConnell, uh, in the last segment, Rick Sanchez was talking about, Republicans have said candidate integrity does matter. Well, the former president has been hanging out with Kanye West, Nick Fuentes, a dinner recently. Obviously, he announced his candidacy for presidency in 2024. Um, Mitch McConnell said something recently to reporters about Everything that's happening in the Trump universe with respect to meeting with white nationalists and bigots like both of those guys. I want you to take a listen to this. We're going to react on the other side. First, let me just say that there is no room in the Republican Party for anti-Semitism or white supremacy. And anyone meeting with people advocating that point of view, in my judgment, are highly unlikely to ever be elected president of the United States. In light of what you said, that there's no room in your party for anyone who harbors these anti-Semitic views, if Donald Trump wins the Republican nomination, would you support him? Look, let me just say again, there is simply no room in the Republican Party for anti-Semitism or white supremacy. And that would apply to all of the leaders in the party who will be seeking offices. And then on the Sunday shows, Marie, uh, I know, I know you're throwing your hands up. And then on the Sunday shows, uh, Representative David Joyce, another guy from Ohio, was asked by George Stepanopoulos. He was on ABC this week. 
And they were asking him about some recent truth social messages that the former president had posted. I'm not sure if you've seen these. I'm sure you have. But he reposted about, you know, we should take back the Constitution or at least get rid of it right now because of this New York Post story that was supposedly being suppressed by Twitter and everything that Elon Musk was doing. I want you to listen to what Representative David Joyce, and then we're going to talk about the overall party and denouncing some of this stuff. Take a listen to Joyce and what he said on the Sunday shows. You can't come out against someone who's for suspending the Constitution. Well, first off, it has no ability to suspend the Constitution. Secondly, but he says he's for it. Well, you know, he says a lot of things that, uh, but that doesn't mean that it's ever going to happen. So you got to accept uh, exact fact from fantasy, and fantasy is that the, we're going to suspend the Constitution and go backwards. We're moving forward, and we're going to continue to move forward as a Republican majority and as a, a Republican conference. So here's my question to you, Marie, because uh, of the two of us, you're the only one that's worked in government. Of the two of us, you're the only one that's gotten somebody elected into Congress. We just heard his voice earlier. How would you, if you were on the Republican side of the aisle right now, and there's a chance that Donald Trump is going to be the 2024 nominee, clearly right now, and you heard Rick Sanchez in the last segment, we all think he's going to be, right? Eventually, maybe DeSantis is the only challenger that's capable. Um, how would you message or at least get the person you work for that's in Congress that has an R next to their name? How would you get them to message to denounce what the current leader of the GOP and the candidate for 2024 and presidency? How would you get them to denounce him while also staying within the Republican messaging universe? And then why can't these guys just say Trump meeting with this person is bad? It's vile. These are racist and bigots. And it has no place in this party. And then if he's the candidate in 2024 and he still has those views, Mitch McConnell, you could have added this part. We will not support him. How hard is that to do within the confines of actually working for somebody in Congress? Take us through that. I, I mean, look, there are things more important than keeping your job and keeping your, your seat in Congress. And that sounds sort of Pollyannish, but we saw a lot of profiles and courage step up and say exactly what you just said. Exactly. Plain and simple. Now, most of them lost their seats. Liz Cheney, Pete Meyer, Adam Kinzinger stepped down, right? Tony Gonzalez, former Ohio State Buckeye, right. just tying it all back in here, no decided not to run again as well. But there are things bigger than politics and bigger than keeping your job. And the I feel like we're back in 2015 again. They won't say his name they, when criticizing him. They won't, you know, hate has no place in our party. Well, go, okay. <laughs> say you won't support Trump. Like, how hard is this? I, I, I get, you know, I, there's someone, um, Jamel Bowie in the New York Times. I think that's how you say his last name. I'm sorry if it's not, but um, uh, wrote a piece a couple weeks ago, like, this wasn't inevitable. Republican, a lot of Republicans act like they just, this was inevitable. They just have to keep doing this. They have to keep supporting him. They have to keep pretending like all of this is somehow normal. And it's not. And if I worked for a member, I would want them to do what Liz Cheney did or Adam Kinzinger or else I would quit. I, 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 this isn't a messaging problem. This is, you know, I, I often would say this to Seth or to other bosses I've had. Every problem isn't a comms problem. Every problem isn't a message. This isn't a messaging problem. There is one acceptable message here. 
when someone in your party is having dinner with Nick Fuentes, meeting with Kanye, there's one message. And if you can't do it, then you're complicit. And I, this idea that we will be able to control Trump from inside the party, you remember the adults in the room, the Rex Tillersons of the world, the Jim Mattises, right? Like somehow the Republican establishment would be able to control him once he won and, and tamp down on his most, um, you know, racist, sexist, misogynist impulses, like didn't work. Why are we thinking it's going to work now? So I am, I just, I, it was interesting. I was in the Midwest uh, over the weekend and my family has a bunch of friends who are Trump supporters. And I, I talked to them a lot. I've talked to them and they all watch Fox, right? They see me a lot on TV. I've talked to them a lot over the last few years. And for the first time, one of them said he's done with Trump. And I said, why? He said, cause he's a loser. He lost us the midterm. And look, I, if they're abandoning Trump, great. I'm happy. I don't care what the reason is, right? But it's so interesting that it wasn't the racism. It wasn't the insurrection. It wasn't failing at COVID. You know, it was that he's a loser. You, you know, I'm so glad that you said that because I had the same interaction with a friend of mine from Jersey, went to college with me, now lives in the Midwest, said the same thing. It's time to get behind DeSantis. It's time to move him out. And it wasn't in relation to anything prior to this escalator on down. It wasn't anything related to any of that. It was about the fact that they have lost now three consecutive elections, yes. or at least this last one being perceived. And it ties into college football, by the way. We don't care about everything that happens within the program as long as we win. Right, Marie? As, as long, long as we win. win. Okay. As long as we win. I think, do we have the same friend in the Midwest? There must be more than one. Uh, and this, this friend actually quoted, I think Chris, he said, Chris Christie said it's like baseball, three strikes and you're out. He lost us the 2018, us Republicans, the 2018 midterms, 2020 presidential, 2022 midterms. And I thought, like, this is when they're going to turn on him. But like Kevin McCarthy, is there anyone who can compete with Trump? I do not think DeSantis can. I know you know much more about Florida politics than I do. I don't think DeSantis has got it. I don't know if anyone does or will actually, you know, try and take up that mantle. Is Nikki Haley running? Christy Nome running. I don't know. Yeah, I, I I do know enough about DeSantis to know how incredibly popular he is here. I also think some of that was Charlie Crist and, you know, former guy was formerly in this party. Now he says he switched to this party. So I think some <laughs> of that played into the margin of, of victory there. If a more if a better candidate had been put up against DeSantis, maybe it's closer, but I still think DeSantis wins. I don't. And I asked Rick about this in the first segment. I don't know how he translates nationally. Right. Rick, talk, Rick talked about right. some of the woke policies. But then if you saw the article that came out recently about uh, in the Florida courts with respect to that bill, a judge asked him, what does woke policies mean to you? And the definition was actually the definition of what this all woke thing means. And the judge mm -hmm. was like, yeah, well, I'm not buying that because that that doesn't constitute why this bill was written. So uh, right. when, it, when it gets into the legal sector, right, all that stuff gets thrown out. Um, Right. Well, I also think, you know, you and I have talked a lot about the right wing media echo chamber and it is real and it is powerful. But one thing I learned from the 2022 midterms is I think a lot of that right wing media ecosystem started believing their own narrative and and thought that there was this. I mean, they thought Kathy Hochul was losing. They thought, you know, they thought Patty Murray was losing. They started believing their own narrative. 
And it was so wrong. And I think that when it comes to DeSantis or Trump or any of this other stuff, I think right wing, you know, consultants and commentators and that whole ecosystem needs to do some real soul searching because they were so wrong on the midterms. And I think they might be wrong about DeSantis. I'm not sure he translates nationally. I think he's kind of dopey. I think this whole woke thing, it plays in the right wing, but it doesn't play with independence and, and, I just, I'm not sure it translates outside of that one very specific audience, Mike. I, I mean, I agree with you. We've all seen that meme of what Florida is to the rest of the United States. So I don't know, I know. <laughs> how DeSantis does translate. I do want to say in interest of fairness, though, because you were mentioning some stuff there about strategists and all that and the red wave and all the narratives on right wing media. We saw something similar again in 2016. I think 2016 could be an anomaly with respect to Trump. But everybody and their mother was betting on Hillary Clinton. There's no way she's going to totally. lose. Totally. Blah, blah, blah. So like in, in the interest of fairness, because I can already hear one of my friends who's always told me, like a bowling alley, <laughs> keep it straight down the middle, Mike. And, uh, and and I'm hearing his voice in my head. And he is right. There is there is something to that. I do want to ask you uh, one final thing here. Or a couple of things, actually, uh, because I didn't really allude to the Nick Fuentes, Kanye West part of this um, white nationalists meeting with a former president. I think that should be a story on the back page for weeks upon weeks. But we don't live in that type of media environment uh, because it's 24 seven now. What do you make of that meeting with a former president and you just mentioned about right wing media. You and I both worked on it. Uh, you, you're on it all the time now. Uh, and I asked you why you go on it. You gave a really good answer when you came on a while ago. But I think that Nick Fuentes's Kanye West should live on those vast exteriors. We should be pushing this stuff similar to when you're cleaning your gutters, right? Let's push this stuff out. Like, just push it out there. Let it live out there. But then there are people that will say, well, all you did was push it to the floor. Right. All you did was push it to the floor. You didn't scoop it up. You didn't throw it away to keep with the analogy. So what do you make of first the former president meeting with somebody like this? And then why are we giving platforms to election deniers and people that have these racist views? Why is Carrie Lake on CNN, State of the Union at 9 a.m. being asked about migrants and answering it in a racial manner? Why are we platforming some of this stuff? I know the Alex Jones stuff is separate, but why are some of these networks platforming some of these folks? Yeah, I mean, look, on the first question, Trump finds common cause with white nationalists. Like, we can just say, it. I don't know what's in Donald Trump's heart, but I sure know that he likes a bunch of racists. He says things that sound very supportive of them, and he does things that are supportive of them. And we just need to say it, right? It's not that he didn't know who was coming to dinner. He sees this as part of his base, and he has for a long time. And I think he feels absolutely no shame about associating himself with these people and, in fact, thinks they can be helpful to him. He has encouraged them for a long time. And so this idea that, like, well, you can't call Trump racist. Well, I don't know how he feels, but, like, he has a bunch of friends who, who really are, are quite dangerous. And I think he is he is so he's been pushed to the fringe even more. And he feels so under siege that he is grasping for supporters anywhere he can. And I think it's like a drug. I think he. He feeds off of the media attention and to order to keep getting more attention, he needs to keep doing crazier and crazier things. I'm not even sure he's conscious of it, but it's like he keeps he has to keep the circus going. Um, but look, the question about platforming is a really tough one, right? I, you know, I believe in the marketplace of ideas. I believe that we I, I deeply believe in that concept. But when the rubber meets the road, whether it's on Twitter or Sunday shows, that's a different ball game, right? Uh, look, I think you have to give if you are a candidate for governor of the United States Senate, I don't think there's an argument you can make that you shouldn't interview someone. 
I think you need really good interviewers. You asked Rick Sanchez how he would have interviewed her, right? There are some of these folks. I think that's a really good question. Um, I don't, I think that that's the responsibility of journalists. How you conduct the interview is the important part there, right? But what social media has done combined with Trump's permission and encouragement combined now with Elon Musk going full red pill, right wing, you know, on Twitter, the, the, you know, ugly underbelly of our country, the legacy of racism, anti-Semitism, all of this has just been brought to the surface. And it has encouragement and it has support and it has, you know, the militias you see in places like Michigan. This is the greatest national security threat we face today is domestic terrorism and extremism from the far right. And I believe that experts believe that. And we are not, I think, focused on it enough and we need to take it more seriously. Because a former president who could be the next president counts them as his supporters. And that's what keeps me up at night. Yeah, very well said. I, I will, will say one thing. I deviate from you on just this simple point because Nick made this. Uh, uh, well, he extended the invitation to Lauren Boebert a couple episodes ago to come on this program to discuss gun laws in Colorado. And I said she is not invited on this program, similar to what your old boss said. She's disingenuous. She's useless. I have nothing to talk to that woman about. It's one thing if the people are on the up and up, right? Facts, fiction, not Mike's facts, not Marie's facts, actual facts. If we can discuss policy around that, cool. And I'm all for that. But when you bring the disingenuous part of this, right? And it's just about social media and placating to that. Why am I continuing to give that person air? Let them find air somewhere else down the troughs of YouTube or wherever it is that this stuff lives. I want to leave it there because I want... One final thing on your party, um, the Democratic Party here, and I say your party because I'm, I'm a journalist, I'm a host, folks. Um, <laughs> at the Democratic Party, Marie, in 2024, President Biden will be 82 years old, going on 83. Will he be the candidate for 2024? There has been, they haven't announced it fully, but they have said that, they, that he will be running, but they haven't announced it yet. And I don't know what other qualified Democratic candidates can become president of the United States and maybe challenge somebody that is already walking into 40 percent of, of the popular vote with with respect to Donald Trump. Who uh, is the 2024 presidential nominee uh, for the Democratic Party? I think it's Joe Biden. Joe Biden, he beat Trump. He showed that he could do it. And the midterms, I think, uh, really made the Biden White House feel like what they were doing was working. They were getting bipartisan bills passed. They were building a Democratic Party that was not the far left, that was governing from the center. And I think they feel really emboldened by that. He knows how to do it. Elections aren't run on, won on Twitter. Certainly the Biden team will tell you that. And look, Donald Trump's pretty old too. So I, if I was a betting woman, which uh, sometimes I am, sometimes I play poker, uh, I would say Joe Biden sitting here today. All right. And I just found out something new that she plays poker. So she gets my analogy about, <laughs> about some of these right wing folks being pot committed because they've got pocket rockets and the, the highest card on the on the <laughs> flop is a king. All right. Somebody to get my analogy there. There you go. Uh, uh, Marie, um, real quick, uh, because you mentioned it about the folks watching you for Fox News and that, that being Trump supporters. What are some of the other things folks are saying here? Give us give us a little teaser of, of what these folks say, because you are from the Midwest. You just mentioned it. a lot of folks vote are and they've been following Trump for years. You're on the network right now. You've been on the show called Outnumbered, where it's normally four Republican voices, conservative voices <laughs> to one. 
Uh, give me some of, of the feedback. Give the people here. I, I'm sure there are some people saying, wait, wait, wait. I need to hear more about these combos. What are they saying to you about not only yeah. their television appearances, but the country in general? Yeah, it's so interesting, right? Because they, I think they come away from it because they know me thinking, oh, she's not crazy. Democrats aren't all, aren't all crazy, right? Um, but look, what I hear, they are they are are really hot on DeSantis, right? They think he is the future of the party and they are really, um, I can't emphasize enough for you what I hear from them about how upset they are about uh, the investigations of Trump, particularly the Mar-a-Lago raid. You know, I had one person tell me over the weekend, no, you know, that sets this precedent for ex-presidents. And I said, well, but he broke the law. And this person said, according to who? I don't even trust DOJ anymore. So I think there's, there is this, you know, the thing I care about, right, most, which is national security and democracy. Those people, that's sort of where, where we can't find any sort of common ground together. They believe that the entire intelligence community and justice department, justice system is politicized against Republicans and against Donald Trump. And like some of these people have worked in national security. And I say, look, if you took these documents home, you'd be sitting in jail. Um, but that's that's where, you know, I really try and find common ground. That is one place that there just is none. But someone this weekend said to me, Mike, they actually think Biden's doing some good things he doesn't get credit for. They mentioned China and Taiwan, standing up for Taiwan. So, you know, it's not, you and I have talked about this a lot. It is not the caricature that everyone thinks it is. Fox viewers aren't, Trump voters aren't, Democrats aren't. And that's why I like to have these conversations because it's people that I'm friends with. So they, you know, it's a good conversation, but it really shows where, where those lines are, where those red lines are. And that Mar-a-Lago raid really, I think, uh, I think a lot of Trump support, it really, you know, the facts there really don't matter to people and it really got to them. And that's, that's been, even this weekend, they brought it up with me again. And that's been really interesting to watch, but you know, he's a loser now. So that's, right. that's, that's what I keep hearing from them. And and they like that I go on, right. They say, I like, you know, you're a good Democrat. You're a nice Democrat. We like hearing from you. And they name a couple other people as well, Jessica Tarlov and others. And so, you know, they're listening to what I'm saying. That's a win. Yeah. I love Harold Ford Jr., by the way, too. Uh, another another Democrat there. Yeah, um, that's right. M- Marie, you do fantastic work. You can check out Marie on the family of Fox News programming at the local and national level. She's a former State Department spokesperson. And she also works at Georgetown University. I never mentioned that whenever I'm talking about okay. you. The folks at they're George, uh, Georgetown, they're so lucky to have you. Marie, thank you for hopping on the podcast with me. And we'll be in touch soon. Thank you so much, Marie. Thank you so much. It was great. This episode is brought to you by Russell Stover's Chocolate. Nick, it's time to make this holiday season the sweetest season. And you can do that thanks to the delicious treats from the good folks over at Russell Stover's Chocolate. What are you getting over from Russell Stover's Chocolate this holiday season for the for the loved ones in the Zaveri household? I think everyone here knows about my feelings for preference. You know, we talk about this all the time. Any service I'm using, I want to be able to customize it. On the website, if you're over at russellstover.com, Just go to the top of the page. You're going to see a button. It's one of my favorite options. Create your own. You also can choose gifts. You can choose holiday. 
I'm a customization person, so I'm already on the site as we're talking about this. Yeah, that's right. Multi-purpose. That's right. Multitasking. Multitasking. There it is. Keep that. Keep that in. Um, but I'm just designing a holiday set for the girls. You know, they're all milk chocolate people, so I'm gonna find, you know, some real, some just real goodies. And but this ain't Russell Stover's first rodeo, Mike. They've been around for a while. That's right. That's right. You are so funny. You know that uh, gifts for the holiday season, like Nick mentioned, you can head to russellstovers.com today or click on the link in our show notes. More importantly, for a special discount, apply to checkout, create a bunch of your own items that you want to get somebody for this holiday season. 20% off $45 or more, 25% off $65 or more, 30% off $100 or more. Let's make this holiday season the sweetest. Head to the link in our show notes right now for a discount on this amazing chocolate. Thanks to the good folks at Russell Stover's. All right. My thank yous there to Marie Hart, former State Department spokesperson, Fox News contributor. She's the best. You know, I, I, I you know how I feel about her. She's the best. Um, also, thank yous to Rick Sanchez. Speaking of the best, uh, a reason why I got into this industry, seeing another Latino man on MSNBC, CNN, Fox News, uh, somebody that did it for a long time, at the highest levels, my thank yous to him. Go check out the Rick Sanchez podcast wherever you get your podcast. Speaking of podcast, like how many times can I say that word? Uh, go to YouTube right now. Do me a favor. Type in Can We Please Talk. Hit the subscribe button. You want to see all the video content from our interviews, you can check it out here on our YouTube channel. Audio podcast platforms, you know them by now. Apple, Spotify, Google. Shout out to the folks that listen to us on Good Pods. Shout out to Acast, our hosting platform. We can't do it without them can't do it without each and every one of you that listens to this program calls writes in and when i say calls you're calling me on the phone you know who you are good bad or indifferent keep emailing us can we please talk podcast at gmail.com as always i'm mike leon i got no nick savary we'll see everybody next time Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.